1: Welcome back to the 2022 Big Interview Oscars, a big interview tradition where Graham and Pete hand out their awards for the year in football. Half of our statuettes have left the podium, but don't worry, not a single one will have any salt, real or imaginary, sprinkled on them by unauthorized guests. Our next award goes for the best documentary. Nominations from our socios, those special listeners at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter included. Welcome to Wrexham, All or Nothing Arsenal, Messi, and from socio Gareth Scriven, Together Stronger, the BBC's documentary on Wales reaching the World Cup. As Gareth points out, well, we did have to wait 64 years. Graham Hunter, you have been uh, involved in one or two remarkable football documentary projects over the years. What did you like watching this year?
2: Well, the the one that really stood out before uh, my winner was the fabulous apple series on magic johnson it's called they call me magic i definitely wouldn't be the world's number one basketball fan my dad was good at it despite being relatively small and taught me about it when i was younger and yeah as a kid and growing up in the early 70s britain you see you hear the whistling of georgia brown is it as the as the globetrotters go on their world tour. But basketball doesn't quite do it for me. Um, I, I never asked Pete about this, but I know, Neil, you're a bit of a Michael Jordan fanatic. I met him, interviewed him, saw that the state and the thing that st- stayed with me was the, okay, sort of meat cleaver hands, Um, you know, because they looked as if they could have taken your head off with a karate chop, but cut and, and scarred and leathery and bandaged everywhere. Amazing to look at. But Magic Johnson, I'd only known about peripherally and they've done it. I think the key here in this category has to be not just about the person who's being filmed because Cristiano Ronaldo, for example, is an extraordinary human being, a brilliant subject for a documentary, but the one that he was involved in, it it, it was PR Puff. It should have been great. And, And everybody who can actually open him up and see what makes him tick and get him to tell the truth about life will will be, you know, Oscars will be raining on that man or woman. So it isn't simply the fact that Magic Johnson must rank in the top three, back the players of all time and his life away from the court has been something you, you could barely invent. It's a brilliant piece of work because of who speaks about him, because of how frank everybody is. It has echoes of America's game, the NFL thing that I go on about all the time where the, the, the formula isn't difficult. The idea is simple, but the execution is brilliant. So they call me magic, gets my full recommendation. And I say this next one with reserve because I'm an executive producer on it. And Pete played a big, big, big role in it, as he does with Zoom in general. But the phenomenon, El Phenomeno, again, I think um, not only shows a remarkable person in Ronaldo, Ronaldo Nazario, but it it takes a microscope really up close to a period of time that the three of us knew about, we probably all wrote about, we went to games to report on games that Ronaldo was involved in during, let's say, 97 through to 2002 and it was a World Cup I was reporting on all the way as England correspondent until England got knocked out, Sunetion by Argentina and then I followed the teams that Really took my fancy, which included Brazil, and I remember thinking both in the. I went to the game against Chile, which I should have researched this. I think it was the quarterfinal in '98, and then the semi-final down in Marseille, which was Brazil and Holland. Just again, a, a, a game that seared in my memory because of the heat, the, the excitement, the, the quality, the tension. Holland very nearly did it. That's their that's their double-barreled name. Holland very nearly did it. Are you the Holland very nearly did it from Amsterdam? Yes, we are. And Ronaldo, was he scored that night. And and by the time the final came along, before we knew about what was happening to him overnight or that afternoon, they didn't seem stoppable to me. They just literally didn't seem stoppable. And everything that happened, happened. And the way in which a phenomenal, literally phenomenal um, creative man, Duncan McMath, Brought this idea to Ronaldo to the people that supported the film Dazone, the way in which he executed the film with brilliant help from his team, Victor and Mark particularly. The end product for anybody that hasn't watched El Phenomenal or The Phenomenon, uh, widely available on Dazone but on other platforms too. I, I think it's exceptional. I've watched people that know me um, on Twitter or messaging me in in person talk about how their jaws dropped because they'd forgotten the crucifixion that Ronaldo went through after the World Cup final. The the way in which he, 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 being able to, in a four-year period, not across a career, in a four-year period, he was twice told, look, if you carry on like this after his knee injuries, you might not walk again properly. And he was the last name named by big Phil Scalari going to the 2002 World Cup. He scores goals right across the tournament, including two in the final, and and gets his trophy. It has echoes of what Messi just did, but it was different. Uh, the end product, the lift of a trophy, is uh, uh, but the moment where he and Ronaldinho substituted off in the final set and kind of hug and cry. It's 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 fantastic human tapestry the the experience of life and how it can be. It can it can tell you that I'm going to break you and then you break back. It's beautiful.
3: I've only just realised that Graham sat by a Christmas tree, so I'm going to put my uh, hat on. God
2: bless you, merry Gentleman.
3: But I've, got, I've gone for phenomenon as well. I mean, Graham's given me more credit than I deserve. I had a very small partner. I interviewed Christian Vieri, and let me tell you, it was the easiest interview I've ever done in my life because he just flicked a switch on the back of his head and spoke brilliantly for about 40 minutes about how how wonderful um ronaldo is um he's one of the absolute stars of that film and graham's right when you do a, a sort of biopic it's it's got to be not just about the the subject it's got to be about the other people and some of the stars of the ronaldo film are, are ronaldo's mum um for example who i think um, when he finally gets on the plane after after the final starts um Starts tearing into him about the state of his hair and what was he thinking with that haircut, and he says, "Mum, I have just won the World Cup for Brazil. Come on, give me a cut you some slack here." Um, it's a fantastic film. There's a lot of humour in it. There, there's a lot of things that um, that you didn't know before. I think the the stuff with Roberto Carlos and Ronaldo sat together talking about what exactly happened, you know, in the, in, the, in their hotel room before the ninety
1: eight final. Um, so yeah, my my vote um, goes
3: to phenomenal.
1: And that's our first unanimous award since the first one for Leo Messi. I would like to add my vote to uh, El Phenomeno as well. And if you haven't, listener, watched that yet, then uh, I think we all urge you to do so. Our next Oscar is for Best Costume Design, which simply is the best football kit currently in play, is our only stipulation. Pete Jensen, you're a sartorial icon. Um, Which currently active football kit are you most fond of? Well, the the category costume
3: design lends itself to, to, to giving a special mention to the messy tunic that he wore in the World Cup final. And, and just set me thinking about how that's been a missed opportunity over the years. You know, would, would the the picture of Maradona lifting the trophy in 86 been all the better if he'd been wearing a poncho and, and a big sombrero? You know, and maybe Klinsmann dressed as a beefeater when he was uh, given the the, 90, the Euro 96 award. Um, but best kit, I've gone with um, with Betis, um, Betis's Kappa kit. I'm a big fan of uh, the smaller brands, Kappa being one of those. Um, and that final, the, the Copa del Rey final uh, this year, last season, um, was. And Graham's already mentioned what a fantastic job Pellegrini has done there, and that was just reward for him. Um, All the more special because I think it was Miranda who scored the win on penalty, wasn't it? And he'd been in the ground as a seven-year-old 15 years before the last time Betis had won anything. So it was a special final and a a special winner. And I do love that green cap of Betis' kit.
1: Graham, just before we get to you, Socio's nominated uh, kits, including Aberdeen away, Mexico away. And from Socio, Andrew Anderson, the Motherwell third kit, the profits from which go directly towards four mental health and suicide prevention charities. Uh, those three kits, incidentally, we'll, we'll show in the socials, but they all have one thing in common, which is this kind of retro um, look to them. I don't think you can beat the current, and it pains me to open this door to, for, you, for you, Graham, so easily, but I don't think you can beat the current Aberdeen Home. It's what's called
2: crashing the intro. If you're a radio on DJ in the 80s, um, I'm nicey, you've fucking smashed me uh, <laughs> unnecessarily, you knew what I was going to say. And in all honesty, how did you miss the opportunity to go back in history, given that Peter mentioned the, the Kappa Beta strip and Miranda? I, I love the way that just before that winning penalty kick uh, down in Andalusia, Miranda says to Mamadashvili, bear with, bear with. And at the end, after scoring, wheels away, shouting, such fun! Uh, <laughs> That will never leave me. That will never leave me that moment. And yeah, um, it's Adidas yet again. And it's the beautiful dandy strip. I say that through gritted teeth and pain at the moment because we practically haven't played well all season despite having better footballers. And the very articulate, interesting manager that we signed um, isn't necessarily proving to be quite as exciting as I thought he might be. So... um, I would say that our gorgeous uh, texel strip made by Adidas, uh, a delicate and interesting pinstripe, I would call it. Um, long-sleeved, of course, and kudos to Motherwell. Uh, I was glad they were mentioned. I'm glad they, they seem to me to be doing extraordinary things. That's not what this category is about. Um, yeah. It's it's far more about sartorial. But in terms of social Um, Motherwell are an extraordinary club so I'm willing to let them onto the podium but if it's between Betis who are playing green and white and the Dandies I think it's a a no
1: contest We're on home turf for our next award it's the best original screenplay which is our Oscar for our favourite piece of football writing this year Socio Robert McIntosh nominates Barney Ronay's piece on PSG versus Manchester City which contained a lovely turn of phrase The game entered one of those extended periods where Messi resembles a man maintaining a pretense of polite interest while milling around a notably disappointing flea market. Uh, Martin Gregg's pick was Sam Lee in The Athletic on Julian Alvarez watching his two big brothers play for Abbey Hay in the 10th tier of English football. That's a fantastic piece. Really interesting subject matter. But Pete Jensen, what was your favourite piece of writing this year?
3: Uh, I've gone for um, Ian Herbert's um, "We Demand to Know Why They Died": the scandal of the young Qatar World Cup workers um, who never came home. Uh, he focuses on one, uh, Rupchandra Rumba, um, and he he went to to see his family, to see to see his widow um, and his child, um, and it's just a fantastic piece. I think people might struggle. I, I read it um, in the paper version. I think people might struggle to. To find it online, but uh, I was very pleased to see Ian, uh, I think, who I think is a great journalist, win the. I think it was the Press, uh, the the um, British Journalism Awards. He kept, came out on top here um, uh, last month, so it was well deserved. And and, and uh, I thought there was um, plenty of good investigative journalism around around how Qatar got the Olymp- uh, how Qatar got the World Cup and and what happened to all the people who lost their lives building those stadiums and. You know, it was a fantastic World Cup and we all enjoyed the tournament, but um, it was good of the, um, the Qatar feed to, to give us those fantastic drone shots of the magnificent stadium where the final was played right at the end of the tournament, just to remind us um, why um, the World Cup should probably never have been played there.
2: Yeah, Pete, that's brilliantly said. That's probably the most outstanding answer to any of these awards. Up Until the, the day before recording this, I was going to say a piece... That the Athletic did with Juan Malillo, talking about trends in football and tactics in football and talking about skill and invention and robotic ideas and Juan Malillo is is somebody that, you know, a friend of uh, each of us sits, kind of obsesses about and I, I don't always see it and I, I go back to a tutor of mine in the 70s talking about mad fashion and Andy Warhol and some of Bowie's ideas and saying these trailblazers it isn't always their role or their idea to be um, useful or, or, or to be practical it's to, it's to change your mind and open your, your vision and open your synapses and make you think oh well maybe those people that are out there can, can start change, can catalyse things and I find Leo like that, but his piece um, midway through the World Cup about current trends in football is extremely interesting and extremely thought-provoking. It was going to be that, but it's not now. It's a piece reproduced today as we record, so a few days ago, um, as you guys all listened to it. Hello to all of you. And it's written by Santi Jimenez, and it's actually written in 2014, and it's reproduced in full in Diario Ass because Pelé has died. And it's very, very light-hearted, and it's it, well, it's quick. And and Pele's on form compared to the guy you could get. I've only I only ever met him once in a small group in Manchester, interviewed him because Umbro had ponied him up because United were doing well, and he didn't know anything about United, and he was bluffing and getting names wrong and everybody Just went ah oh yeah, we'll let the old man away with that one, and it it wasn't particularly fun. And I'm not somebody who if you sit in the presence of a an iconic man or woman—that's not enough. You need to be near them when they're in their pomp. I think to 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 make your 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 senses shiver because um, fame and celebrity—I don't think mean much to the three of us really. And and therefore to be reminded that in 2014 when they kind of shared a language, Santi and Pele—he uh, talks about when the day. And it reminds me so much of Cruyff. The day he found out in approximately late '74, that the people who were supposed to be looking after his money had all the money he'd been salting away since 1960 wasn't only gone, but he owed millions. And I think listening to him or reading him talking about that begins to explain about why, for certain sponsors, he would say anything, do anything, and it and, and helped me restore... The greatness in my in, in my eyes about what this guy meant because he he I don't think Leo Messi um, or Ronaldo Nazario certainly not Cristiano are ever gonna be socially iconic the way that Di Stefano and Pele were partly because of the eras and under which they lived the fact that Di Stefano was kidnapped in South America and, and nobody knew where he was for a while. He, Black and white television, you could barely see football, never mind be deluged by it. Pelé was at a time when Brazilian music, Bossa Nova, it became in fashion. he he He's the first footballer's name I can remember knowing and shouting when we were playing in the garden with a leather football, if you scored. and Iconic for so many reasons beyond his talent, but this interview talks about his love of Xavi Hernandez, talks about um, his... He's very defensive of the World Cup in in Brazil and that the people don't want... To. The people, it's not that they don't want the World Cup football, they're angry about the corruption and, and it's not football's fault. It's just... It's just an interview that lifted my heart. And for those who are listening in or who haven't known what to do about Pelé's death, I'd recommend the film made by Netflix in 2021, produced by Kevin MacDonald, who's got such a track record and jointly directed by Ben Nichols and David Trihorn. It's a film that just transports you. It transports you back to the 50s and 60s and 70s and the the dictatorship in Brazil saying to Pele, you will do this, you will do that. And the, the way in which, in the 50s and 60s, he was deluged with attention. He was pushed and prodded and demanded of in a way that we think is a modern phenomenon because of social media, and it's not. And the patience he showed... The the gentle, bemused, friendly, professional patience he showed as a young man, long before he lost his money, long before he he changed and became something in public that that wasn't that enjoyable to 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 see or listen to. It it, it shows you the man. It that, that people had so much access to him in those days. In 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 moments when nowadays you you'd pay a king's ransom to be that near a global icon with a camera, and they obviously didn't. And if anybody's unsure about Pelé's legacy, um, that 2021 uh, Netflix film is, is the one to, to go and, you know, t- sit, slake your thirst, and therefore Santi Jiménez and Diario As write, writing about an interview with Pelé is, is the thing I choose.
1: It's time for a quick break now and a word from our sponsors. Back soon. Welcome back to the big interview Oscars. Before we proceed, quick question. What is the best football film and why do we all know what Graham Hunter is about to say? Gregory's Girl, obviously.
2: What if... Did you, that's one of these comedy routines where they deliberately talk. Her, it's obviously Gregory's Girl by a million miles.
1: Any objections, Pete Jensen?
3: Uh, it has to be a sketch it just for getting John Walk um, and um, Sylvester Stallone into the same cast. Um... Kevin O'Callaghan with an Oscar-winning performance as well, having his arm broken. But was
1: it by Rocky? Did Rocky break his arm? Make it a clean break, golf. There's
2: no dialogue in Escape to Fitry, like, and we'll start the driving lessons once you've mastered the walking bit, Gregory.
1: Believe me, listener, when I tell you that Graham really could go on all day, so I'll interrupt politely with our next Oscar, which is for Best Short. That's the favourite goal or piece of play from the year. Uh, nominations from our socios for this one included both Mbappe's falling volley and De Maria's finish to that wonderful team counter-attack in the World Cup final. Also, a goal that I think, Graham, you've kind of alluded to already, which was Georgia Stanway's extra-time raker against Spain, uh, without which England's Lionesses may have stalled at the quarter-final stage of the Euros. But, Graham, which one have you picked?
2: Yeah, the one that's pipped, if you don't mind the alliteration, um, and... What's a metaphor for, if you don't mind the alliteration? At Stamford Bridge, when Benzema produces that header, which is geometrically and in physiological terms impossible, um, again, that will never leave me. That goal will never, ever leave my memory. It will never fail to um, confuse me about how he does it, particularly as Mondi at that time wasn't in decline and and didn't look like a goalkeeper that such a ridiculous header could beat. But given the context, given the moment, given our mutual in this podcast uh, adoration for Angel Di Jensen, to score a goal like that in the World Cup where there's a press goes on and I forget who presses for... France down the left midfield and Emmy Martinez, beginning interview guest, guest, has punted long, France press. And it comes to Molina at right back and, and he volleys it. And he volleys it directly to Alexis Gary McAllister, whose first-time pass is to Messi, first-time, second-time pass is to Alvarez. And Alvarez doesn't hang around and he first-time punts it to McAllister on the run. And, and yeah, people... Talk about France being at sixes and sevens. It's because they play first touch football, and every volleyed pass is perfect. It it is once McAllister squares to Angel Di Maria, and and Di Maria, you know, finishes like a a masters winning champion around the green. Um, it's it's not just the best goal of this year. It's it's almost perfection as a football goal. And it's very rare you can say that. But under that pressure, it's just remarkable. By a distance. My goal of the year is, um, is also from the World Cup. It's
3: England's second goal against Senegal. It's scored by Harry Kane. Fantastic team goal. Um, Fodden plays a part, Bellion plays a part. And I thought Bellium in general was, was absolutely brilliant throughout the tournament. I almost snuck him into the best newcomer, although obviously it would have been a massive cheat to say I hadn't heard about him at the start of the year. Um, I was talking to Andres Manzano, who's a sporting director at Cornia. Cornia had a tie-up with Birmingham at the time when Belliam was coming through. Um, And he was reminiscing about how watching an under twenty three game at at Birmingham, and asking the 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 guy next to him, "Who, how old is this? You know, young midfield player?" Not being able to believe he was just fifteen years old, and I asked Andres Manzano who who he thought what 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 he thought Bellingham could achieve, and what sort of player he could become. And he threw the name Zenit Zidane down at me. And, and obviously, you know, this goes down as, as, as English people getting overexcited about a young player coming through. But I do think there are similarities in terms of the elegance, in terms of the physicality, um, and in terms of the, the, the versatility as well and all the different things that he can do in midfield. And he scored goals in the World Cup and he set goals up as well and and that goal he set up against Senegal which Kane scored is my uh, my best goal
1: and as we move towards the end of our Oscars show we come to the Lifetime Achievement Award that's for a player who reached a milestone or perhaps stopped playing this season somebody who put the cherry on top of their Sunday during 2022 Pete Jensen who are you thinking about for this one Uh, Lifetime Achievement Award, Cristiano Ronaldo. Presumably we've seen the last of him,
3: Um, top European football. Um, I'm a bit confused about whether or not he has signed for Al-Nassar, the the Saudi club, or whether someone is going to come in for him. I've loved watching him over the years. I think he's, uh, aside from being a brilliant player, I think there's also something of the pantomime villain in him. It also reminds me of one of the best headlines I saw this year, which was... In Diario As, uh, Ronaldo will no longer be the Save the Children ambassador after assaulting a child, which I think was a ref- which I think was a reference to the the fracas he had with the kid who was trying to take a picture of him um, at Old Trafford. He's a funny character, isn't he, Ronaldo? Um, it often seems as if he hasn't enjoyed his career. Um, you know, the snarling look on his face, even to the point of, 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 of putting that expression when a teammate scores a goal because he wanted to score it. But I think he's a fabulous player and he's been great to watch. Um, and it will be a shame if he, um, if he doesn't do a Luis Suarez and doesn't go to sporting and, and, and play a little bit longer in Europe.
2: Mr President, uh, you know, committee members, don't you I say this every episode, but don't you sit and listen to Pete sometime and go, I fucking wish I could speak like that. Like Cristiano Ronaldo, he looks as if he hasn't enjoyed his career. And you just go, Wow, yeah. That's the phrase I wish I'd come out with. I suppose we should all say messy because of his holy grail quest. And and it is messy, but you know, honourable mention for Benzema, who's Ballon d'Or Victory Really excited me because it was so merited and because he's such a beautiful footballer. But like, Pete, I'm deliberately going to step aside and say Gerard Piquet. Um, it ended ignominiously, ignominiously with him being sent off um, in uh, Navarra, in Pamplona against Osasuna as a non-playing substitute who gives the referee so much verbal abuse. And he was... Absolutely. He was a magnificent beast. So he was. He was the Marvin Hagler of football, I think. Um, pugnacious but elegant. He won everything. He's a, he's a lunatic. He's dangerous. He's a really... He does bad things. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. But he's boisterous and clever. And... Before he stopped playing he brought Barcelona's principal jersey sponsor and earned them pff, just close to well seven hundred and fifty, eight hundred million. That's a player who did that for the club. He owns a club that's powering its way up the Spanish leagues. He co-owns the Davis Cup. Uh, I could go on. But as a footballer I thought he was utterly magnificent. And I shared adventures with him, one of which, you know, again, will never ever leave me. I'm in the World Cup winning, man at the stadium manager's office when he wants the nets and we found where they are and a guy won't give them. PK turns to me and says, "I'll punch him. You pick up the nets. And we'll make a run for it." On the pitch, he played like that. That phrase is he just didn't see limits. He didn't see rules. But he saw a lot of medals, he saw a lot of trophies. He's retired, um, partly because he always said if he didn't feel useful... He always said, if, if I'm if I'm left on the bench, that's no place for me. So Barca ordered Xavi to leave him on the bench, and he did. And he gave up, and that will help them with their salaries, and it's a nice follow-on-your-sword gesture. Um, captain, my captain. Um, Gerard Piquet, absolutely off the scale as a person. Dangerous, funny, likeable... Brilliant footballer.
1: There were also great nominations here from our socios, uh, including obviously Messi, and two veteran coaches who are often grouped together in discussions about the game's theological evolution, Louis Van Gaal and Dick Campbell. (laughs) Our final Oscar uh, for 2022 is for the Big Interview of the Year Award, which is your favourite interview from another year of the show socios have nominated mark haitley emma byrne liam henderson luke DeYong. graham i think it's probably best if we come at you last of all so pete jensen what did you like listening to this year
3: yeah and i've really enjoyed the haitley interview especially because he talked for at least five minutes prompted by graham yeah. about alan byley uh, but that's another story for another day um I'm going to go with the interview that, that you guys did re- quite recently with Victor Sanchez de Lamo, um, former Real Madrid, former Deportivo. I thought he, the detail um, that he was able to give regards the fantastic Depot comeback against Milan, um, the night when Deportivo spoilt Real Madrid's uh, centenary birthday celebrations by, by winning the cup in, in their stadium. He was able to really put us into the dressing room which is all which is what these interviews are all about put us into the dressing room on the night um, and uh, laughed through his description of Edgar Davids um, approaching him before the second leg of the Milan game and asking him where was best to eat in La Coruña to get a nice uh, celebratory meal after the game and And Victor Sanchez basically said, oh, yeah, so you're pretty sure that it's job done, yeah? And, of course, uh, they turned it round in in the second leg. And just how fired up they were. Um, The the fantastic phrase when he he says, um, we went in at halftime and no one sat down. Brilliant interview and another year of brilliant interviews. And it is remarkable how often... Uh, subjects uh, to the big interview, utter phrases like, I've never told anyone this before, and this is something I've never spoken about before, and that is to Graham's huge credit that he brings that out of people. It's not easy to, to interview people. It's, it's easy to do it, and it's easy to do a bad job, and he does a great job time and time again, and I'm looking forward to another 12 months of big interviews.
2: It's not often I enter these conversations, sometimes I enter them embarrassed, Mostly because of what I've said, sometimes because of what somebody else has said. Thank you, socios. Pete, Pete, that was lovely. Um, I'm I'm an emotional guy, but I don't often um, struggle. But I mentioned that 2022 has been really, really, really hard. Maybe the hardest year I can remember. Yet... I'm looking at a list, and I think that we sat down and interviewed Mark Haightley, Yanaga Fiortov, Chappie Ferreri, and Cathro Yap Stam, Luke de Jong, Bolozenden, Oriol Romeo, John Dal Thomason, Neda Manua, David Moyes. The only failure of the year, and, and it needs to be said out loud Bruno Lage, where we just didn't really click and connect, and there were reasons for it, um, partly to do with the mass punch-up and an abandoned, friendly half an hour before um, between Wolves and Levante. Liam Henderson, who was absolutely fantastic. Um, Danny Murphy, Victor Sanchez Delamo, Emma Byrne and Roy Mackay. I, I feel that that's um, a decent return um, for a year, a year which, on the big interview front, both Neil and Martin would testify, has, has really examined us, has really... Um, stretched us a lot I'd like to say thank you to Neil and Martin for inventing this particular form of the interview concept not the interview itself um readers thank you to all of you who, who listen and who contribute and who in various different ways say oh this this meant something or that was interesting you, you it's hard to think of somebody who expresses it more eloquently than Pete does but the interview that <laughs> I I should have been, been able to resist going for, but I can't. Is 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 outside the big interview because on the same morning as we did Jan Aga Fjortoft, I <laughs> had two in a row: Darwin Nunez on Zoom for UEFA, followed immediately by Jan, Jan Aga Fjortoft, And Jan was really interesting, a really unusual, too idiosyncratic and, and a test somebody who you had to work with to to engage and to keep up with and. Um, he's used to speaking in the media, so he's used to speaking in completed sentences. So it was a little bit like the Eddie Howe interview, which is like a table tennis match. There you are. Are you ready? Where's the next one? Right. Backhand, forward, smash, lob again, back to you. But all of that came on the morning, um, and I'd been woken up overnight, to be told, by my brother my mum had died, and there wasn't any... There was a, The thing I always believed would be true is that I have a character that can handle difficulties and crisis and try and compartmentalise my brain. People listening to the Núñez interview, and the Fjordov interview, might say, bollocks, you made a right hash of both of them. But I thought, well, I should do my job. Um, I'm in Barcelona, there's nothing more I can do except for begin the preparations. And to sit down and and interview the two of them was in some uh, degree a balm and, and to some degree a test. But right in the middle of the Darwin Nunez interview, which was long and interesting, because he's a again a really maybe Pete's got more not maybe he's got much more experience of people in Uruguay and what makes them tick and what their characters are like and how expressive they are and and the different themes that motivate them in their life and in their career. But they're they're not very European. It's it's a different experience. And I began to talk to him about a period when, at a very young age, he was away from home. He had a knee ligament injury and he kind of began to think that everything was lost and certain people at the club and from his family rallied round him and saw him through it and he broke down crying and he completely lost it for about eight or nine minutes and the press officer um, there over in Portugal with him was like, oh, we better stop this and, and through this, the, the, the snotter and the tears he was no, 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 I'll get over this, I want to continue and I was sitting there thinking, well, you know, I'm not in tears and... I'm not going to share what's going on in my mind, but this is a very surreal experience, <laughs> and it was, and therefore, partly because it was, you know, my mum always said, you know, you should do what you want to do, you should go into journalism, you should blah, 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 blah. And for those things to happen on that morning felt a little bit kismet or karma-ish, I'm not quite sure what but I remember very clearly that morning with Jan agafjord and Darwin Nunez in a year whereby, Pete, you, you've elevated everything that you've been involved with in this series that we've done, but so have Neil and Martin and it feels worthwhile. And if at the end of a year you can say that some of the things you've done have been worthwhile, then that's a decent feeling.
1: Well, it was another great year of interviews, Graham. Thanks, as ever, um, for being the captain of the ship. We're all glad to to be aboard but for now that's the end of our oscar show for 2022 carriages have been called it's time to close things down before your humble presenter gets slapped by one of our winners for a misplaced barb thank you for listening <laughs> welcome to 2023 i hope it fits you like a glove and we'll be back soon with more of the big interview with graham hunter